I'm Becky Gannon, and this is Mad About Miniatures. The fun and fabulous Tanya from At Grandma Gets Real is on this episode, and I'm thrilled. She's a social media sensation with her video on teeny tiny ice cubes getting over 10 million views. Let's go talk to Tanya. Hello, Tanya. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you about all things Barbie. I'm excited to talk about it. So the first time I think I became aware of you was during the quarantine. And one of your quarantine Barbie creations came up, you know, where you do the pretend packaging and it's like stretchy pants Barbie. And I must have laughed more than I had laughed in a long time. How did you come up with that? And for those who haven't seen us, tell us a little bit about it. I came up with it because I had a lot of time on my hands during quarantine (laughs) and I was wearing my stretchy pants and uh, I had seen a couple of people post quarantine Barbies and, you know, they were wearing masks. One of them was wearing masks and had all the sanitizer and stuff. And the other one was just drinking wine. And I thought, wouldn't that be funny? I should make a Barbie for what I'm doing during quarantine, which was eating food. <laughs> and so that's how I came up with it was just I saw a couple other people do parody dolls. And I thought, that's funny. I should do one of me. It was hilarious. And then you went on. What did you do? Like insomnia Barbie? I did insomnia. What day is it? What time is it? New hobby, bread baking, everything that we were doing. Even I even had the couple quarantine, uh, couple quarreling because that's what we were doing too. So I just tried to make them a representative of what I was going through or what people in my family were telling me about. The clothing one hit me hard, especially because I had a business where I did a lot of work with a fashion boutique and I went to a lot of events and took a lot of photos, but I also wore a lot of the clothes myself. And I was probably the only one who a month into quarantine didn't have any clothes. I didn't have any clothes appropriate for hanging around the house. (laughs) You don't put on leather leggings to go crafting. (laughs) No, no. So when I saw the stretchy pants and, you know, the the snacks and all that, I just thought it was such a nice, relatable way to kind of bring some humor into the world. Well, you know, it wasn't a very funny time in the world. There was a lot going on. And I have always turned to humor during hard times. I mean, maybe some people don't think that's funny, but I grew up watching Carol Burnett and I love Lucy and fun shows. And that's kind of my escape is to do something that's funny. Even if I'm depressed, I I really enjoy that. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I know you had started doing Barbies before the quarantine, but that's actually kind of when I started doing miniatures. And part of it was just so I'd have something to do to express my creativity and to do something positive. And I think you really brought something positive. Well, I hope so. That's the biggest response I got was made me smile. You have to look for something positive on Instagram and especially my account. I've always just tried to make it relatable, stuff that we can all relate to, coffee, chocolate. So stretchy pants during the quarantine was just something else we can all relate to. You are very relatable. I mean, the minute I looked, I was like, oh, I feel like we're friends already. We like coffee. We like chocolate. She's doing all the things I'm doing. And I think that's so important, especially on Instagram now, because Some of the things on Instagram are so unrelatable and so unrealistic. The perfect meal, the perfect this. And here's grandma with her grandma Barbie. And it's just so much more fun and relatable. I don't have, they used to call it what, a Pinterest life. Yes. (laughs) 
I do not lead a Pinterest life. I'm not going to show you pictures of my <laughs> my home on a daily basis or my styles because I have no style. I don't have a Pinterest life. And I guess now they call it an Instagram life where everything is perfect unless until you see behind the scenes. And I'm kind of willing to show behind the curtain because life isn't perfect. And I can laugh about this stuff, but I don't ever want to portray that, you know, gosh, I've got it all together and I finally figured it out. I know some people say, you know, I want to survive and thrive, but I kind of feel like I've spent my life struggling and juggling. (laughs) That's a good one. I like that. But, you know, you always do it with positivity. And I think that's what it is, because I think so much of life is not what comes at you, but what you do. Do you duck? Do you catch it? You know, do you cover it with glitter and call it something? You know, what do you do with what's thrown at you? (laughs) It's not easy. And so that's been my way to cope is through humor. When you're real and you let people know you're real, then they open up and let you know that they're real, (laughs) you know, and what they're going through. And I think people have struggled through the last couple of years. And I think we have found a lot that divided us, but I think we've also found a lot of things we have in common. And that's really what we need to focus on is finding that and capitalizing on that, you know, what we all have in common. Been interesting on my account, the things that, that we have in common was, well, one, how we endured the quarantine, you know, worldwide, we had that in common. But another thing is, like you said, chocolate, coffee, ice, tiny ice cubes. I have millions and millions of plays on my videos where I have a little tiny tray of ice. And I think that's so funny that everywhere people can relate to loving ice. And that, that I was surprised about. I didn't know ice was such a worldwide phenomenon. <laughs> Oh, that's interesting. The first time I went to Europe, back when I was in my 20s, we went to Italy and we were surprised that ice wasn't as prevalent as it is in the U.S. And now that I've traveled more extensively, it is true that ice is actually hard to get in some countries. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) As naive as I was back then, like that was a big change to my worldview. (laughs) We grew up, my dad was in the military and we spent a lot of years in Europe. And so maybe that's what gave me my love of ice is because I didn't have a lot of it as a kid. And my sister and I both, when we go out now, order extra ice in our drinks. I go, oh my goodness, we've got some real issues. (laughs) But I was surprised that 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 is probably my top video of all time uh, across my social media is tiny ice cubes. So I don't know if it's just the tininess or just ice is, you know, something everybody, I don't know. Do you remember how many hits it got? Oh, I think everywhere it was posted, it got like 10 million views. That's incredible. I know. So your love affair with Barbie, do you remember your first Barbie? I do. I was on my third birthday. I got my first Barbie. My mother was big into Barbie. My mom, she may have been her Barbie obsession (laughs) and not mine. My mom was a seamstress. She loved to sew. She loved to decorate. She bought us Barbies and she bought us Barbie clothes and she was very into it. She really loved it. And so I, I think that maybe it was her love, you know, to start with maybe. Right. She liked dressing like Jackie O. Uh, She dressed us like Barbies and sewed. And so Barbie was, as a young girl, she was a big part of our life. You had Barbies. And how did you play with them? Do you remember? Like, what did they do? We had the Barbie Goes to College little setup. And it had a little cafe where you could go have snacks. And it had a dorm room with two beds in it. And I think a photo of the football stadium. So, our yeah, our Barbie did real life things. My sister and I grew up, we loved playing with Barbies and you know, of course we had Ken. 
And the GI Joes, my brother's GI Joes were a big hit with our Barbies. Oh, so much more masculine than Ken. Growing up military, of course, we like the guys in the camouflage. Of course, of course. Now, I know you modeled as a teenager. I mean, did you feel when you were modeling like like you were living the Barbie life? Growing up, having Barbie, my mom, like I said, loved Barbie. I grew up in an environment that was very much into looks, uh, lookism, very much into the way you dress, the way you presented yourself. And so it was a big deal to my family that I got asked to be a model and started modeling. It was something that was very desired at my household, I would say, to look like that. Yeah, I wanted to be look like Barbie. I wanted to be like Barbie. Barbie was a fashion model. I hoped that that would happen to me. So at the beginning, it was a very glamorous Barbie lifestyle. I would say at the beginning, it was. Just the courage. You must have been very independent to go to Europe. Didn't you get a contract almost right away and go to Europe at 15, 16? Yeah, I was independent. And I had because I had spent, you know, four years there already. It wasn't like, you know, maybe if people hadn't traveled, I grew up traveling, I had a passport when I was five years old. So I was very independent. That probably helped. I think so. I think that was probably part of the reason my parents felt safer. And you know, I was promised I would be very well chaperoned. (laughs) And I was not but they promised my parents I would be right. And so you just went to an agency and this happened very quickly? Yeah, got a model agent and then I was invited to move to Paris. I I met the agent in Paris when I was 15. He came over and when I, right after my 16th birthday, I moved to Paris and they promised they'd turn me into a, you know, the next top fashion model. And what really happened? (laughs) Well, my chaperone took me out disco dancing is what really happened. Uh, He was not a good chaperone. It's, you know, it's a brutal business. It is an ugly business of people and it's a really bad business for a 16 year old. It's a tough business. So what really happened was I stayed modeling, but I had a lot of issues, did things a 16 year old probably shouldn't be off on her own doing. And anyway, but I was determined to model and make it work. So there you go. Right. Well, one of the things about Barbie, I looked up Barbie, like what would Barbie look like if she was a real woman? And it says here she would be five foot nine tall, have a 39 inch bust, an 18 inch waist, 33 hips, a size three shoe and weigh about 110 pounds. I'm not even sure Barbie could stand upright. Anybody with that small of feet would be flat on their face, right? Especially with the big bust, Yeah. And you know, that's the thing is, for so many years, I wrote and spoke and was anti Barbie. And my message was living beyond Barbie. And I still stand behind everything I said, I there were issues, mistakes were made. I've also met with people that are fashion designers for Barbie and that worked for Mattel for years, and explaining about how Barbie's that shape so that the clothes could fit on her and look nice and all that. I mean, I see both sides of it. She was made as something, you know, maybe to aspire to. And a lot of people say, well, I never grew up thinking I had to look like Barbie. You know, I had Barbies and I didn't feel that way. And that's okay. That's their story. I have my story. And I do think it also has to do with growing up in the home that I did and with the family I did that it affected me differently than it did them. I do think it was a problem, but I think it was, like I said, my home, my mother. I mean, you can't blame everything on your mother, but different things in my life, the toys I have, the commercials we watch, the TV we watch, the magazines we have in our home. I think young girls are so affected by so many things and you have to try so hard not to do that. And that's when I changed just when I had kids, I really saw how I didn't want to raise my kids. 
Growing up, my mom did not want to give me dolls. She was very progressive. And I guess I didn't really get a doll until I had an operation at like four or five. Like I had no dolls at all. And I came back from the operation. I cried. You know, I wanted a doll. My dad got me a doll. <laughs> but in my house, looks weren't, it was always about books, about reading, about doing well in school. So I, I'm going to thank my mom right now. Thanks, mom. I appreciate it. Yeah, and, and like I said, I don't think it's just the doll. I think it's the whole mentality of how girls are raised that, you know, lookism, that everybody needs to look a certain way and dress a certain way. And the most important thing is how you look. You look back and you say, my parents did the best they could, but it would have been better to encourage the school and the reading and the academics than to say, wow, everybody's staring at you because you're so beautiful. Everybody says you could be a fashion model. I don't ever say that to young girls that I see that are beautiful. I never walk up and say, oh my goodness, you're so beautiful. You need to be a model. I'm like, no. (laughs) I tried very hard, even with my um, nieces and everything, to ask them about their hobbies, tell them they're smart, you know, not just comment on You know, it's easy when you haven't seen them for a while, just comment on their cute dress or how pretty they are. It's easy. I think in the time that we grew up in, and in the time I grew up in the 60s and the 70s, things changed. Uh, I think in the 80s, I think things have definitely changed in the last decade, but it was a different time. It really was a different time where the thinness, the blonde hair, blue eyed uh, California look was it. You know, there was only a certain beauty that got most of the attention. Right. But I think now we're sort of re-entering a resurgence of that. Like the reports out now that Instagram harms, you know, young girls' perceptions of themselves. I feel like that's the biggest danger to to young women now. It's just looking at this Pinterest life, these Instagram shots of everyone. And then comparing themselves thinking, you know, I could never look like that. I could never be like that. I can never measure up. And then it causes them you know, depression. So it is true. I think it's it's really hard because they're growing up with the phone in their hand. They are. And the filter. I've shot fashion models for clothing and even the models, especially the professional models where they spend hundreds of thousands of dollars airbrushing, they don't even look like they do then. One of my favorite Cindy Crawford quotes is without all the makeup and lights, even I don't look like Cindy Crawford. Exactly. So we're all pining for something that doesn't exist. And I have to admit, like when I go on Instagram, I sometimes filter my pictures so I'll look better. But then I think, if we're all doing that, is that a good thing? What is the message for younger girls? It's a tough one. And I, you know, nobody really wants to show everybody their raw, unfiltered life that's, you know, not edited. I like filters, too. I like playing around with photos. But I do not remove wrinkles. AARP did an article on me, which is for seniors mostly, right? And they sent a photographer to the house. When I saw his photos, I was so happy because they were nice photos and they were cleaned up and edited and bright and colorful, but they didn't remove the wrinkle. I was so glad when I saw that and I thought, because it is representative of who I am at 58 years old, I have wrinkles, I have crow's feet. So I was glad to see that, you know, people aren't totally editing everything up to be unreal. I think that's good. So we just talked about how you kind of fell out of love with Barbie. But then obviously, at some point, you and Barbie reconciled. You are no longer estranged. (laughs) 
you know, Barbie and I were together, then we had a falling out, and then we have now reconciled. When my granddaughters wanted to play with Barbies, they found some of my old Barbies. And I said, hey, let's get some of the new ones they've come out with. Because this was like 2017. And I had read in 2016, I believe, is when Mattel came out with the new Barbies. And let's also bring up the fact that my husband is brown. He's darker than me. And, you know, some of my grandkids are, are brown also. And from a mostly Hispanic heritage. And I wanted to find dolls that were representative of them and not just have dolls that they couldn't look like. You know, I wanted dolls that they felt like represented them. My girls didn't have that when they were young. Right. And so we tried to find dolls to represent everyone in the family. And I was very happy to be able to find such a variety of dolls of of skin tones and sizes So we started acquiring dolls to match everyone in our family and then decided to start taking pictures of them and start an Instagram account with no idea that people would follow. So this was just something you and your granddaughters did or you and your family did for fun? Yeah, it was with my granddaughters. It was just a fun little project. Wow. Well, I've seen some of those pictures and it is amazing how much some of the family members look like they're Barbie. Yeah. Particularly you. I thought... At first, that you had altered the Barbie to look like you. But that's Grandma Barbie without altering, right? It really looks just that much like you. The doll that I use as my mini-me is the Grandma Barbie, the happy family Grandma Barbie from 2003. And that was one of the things when the grandkids found that doll, they said, well, why'd they make a Barbie of you? (laughs) (laughs) It's not me, but hey, if I cut my hair a little shorter, it looks like me. So... That's all I did was my hair was a bit longer at the time. I cut my hair the same length and everybody thinks it's a custom Barbie of of me. That's what I thought for quite a while. And I love the one of your husband. Yeah, I mean, and the one of my husband isn't exactly right. Like I said, I wish they had more of a grandpa that was, they have the Caucasian and they have the the AA, but they don't have a Hispanic grandpa Barbie yet. And I'm hoping they they come out with ones. That would be good. Yes. But it is nice that you were able to find so many of them. Yeah, they do a good job representing. Like I said, nobody's exact, but no, who really looks like a Barbie, right? (laughs) Right. Nobody. And I like some of the new ones they're coming out with, you know, for some for some of the careers and for Maya Angelou. You know, some of those are really neat. No, they absolutely are. That's what I said. I think Mattel's done a fantastic job in this decade, the changes they made. I, I think it's great. Now, when your grandkids play with the Barbies, do you think they play with them differently than you do? Uh, They don't have the attention span that I did. TikTok hired me to make some videos for them for a, a program they were doing. And one of the things I learned making videos was most people's attention span is seven seconds. That's like the attention span of a gnat, right? <laughs> some of my longer videos have done well for longer videos. But if you want somebody to watch something all the way through, seven seconds is pretty much it. 12, 15 seconds, you're, you may lose them. And for somebody to, they've got to be invested with so many choices out there, they have to be so invested to, to watch, to do more than just keep scrolling. I would have guessed it was maybe 10. Seven was the typical attention span. That's amazing. So one of the things I think is so cool about what you do is, you know, I work in 112 scale and it can be hard. You know, you have to go to special stores to find 112 or build them. And what I love with Barbie is you find miniatures everywhere that aren't really even miniatures. Like, I love how you're always giving tips, like magnets, Christmas ornaments. I think my favorite was, they looked like mini pizzas, but they were really coasters. 
Yeah. <laughs> I had to be creative because, like I said, I started the Instagram with the granddaughters. I can't craft at all. I have no crafting ability. And so I started thinking, what could we use to be their tiny foods and their tiny everything? Because grandma's not going to be able to make it. So let's do a little research and find other places that we can find miniatures. And like you said, Christmas ornaments. There are so many great miniatures that are Christmas ornaments. Pin cushions. They make pin cushions that are chairs and all kinds of amazing things. Keychains, magnets. So I started really researching other ways to find miniatures. And so that's what I share with people is what I found as a (laughs) non-crafter for my miniature world. So what are some of your best finds in that that you just love? I think the Christmas ornament, that's an easy bake oven. Oh, I've seen that. The the ones that are tiny blenders that look like, or mixers that look like the KitchenAid mixers. Mm-hmm. Also the ugly Christmas sweater ornaments fit my doll. Is that where you've gotten your Christmas sweaters for your doll? They're uh, ugly Christmas sweater ornaments. Christmas ornaments is probably my biggest resource. I have found great things like the Tupperware keychains that are tiny Tupperware containers. Unbelievable. Those are some of my favorites. So it's like I have so many different little favorites that are everyday items that I use for my Barbie size world. And you go to a lot of garage sales, swap meets. Where I live in Southern California, there are swap meets every weekend. And there are some in my area that are seven days a week. A swap meet, a huge amount of them are people, the vendors, they go to estate sales and buy an estate sale and they fill up their truck. Or they go to a storage unit. If you don't pay your rent on a storage unit after two months, then they auction off your storage unit here. I had no idea. And so a lot of the vendors go to storage places and have, you know, the storage wars. And they buy these storage units and fill up their truck. Other people go around collecting stuff from garage sales and go to resell it. So they all show up at the swap meet. And some of them just put out boxes and boxes of things from the estate sale or the storage unit or they've collected. And then you get to go through the boxes. And a lot of this stuff will be a dollar, two dollars, five dollars. They don't really often know the value and they don't even care. They're just buying, selling, going back, buying, selling, and they just want to get rid of everything and turn it over and make some cash. Okay, so they're not hunting and, you know, checking out which Barbie is worth more or anything like that. Once in a while, you'll find one that'll say, oh, that's a vintage Barbie. That's worth a lot of money. Because Barbie is so recognizable that most people, if they see an old Barbie, they'll know. So Barbie things, oftentimes they know at least to double check them. So because everybody's heard the story of a Barbie worth a fortune. But a lot of the small things I find, a lot of the miniatures I find, I pay a dollar for. Swap meets are a great way to find a lot of miniatures for very low price. So it's really like just like a giant garage sale in a way. It's like 400 people showing up having a garage sale. Last week, for instance, there was probably a storage unit of a person that had been a miniature artist. This vendor had gone and bid on this storage unit and showed up at the swap meet with, I would guess, 30 boxes of the nicest, highest-end miniatures you've ever seen. Oh. And they were selling them for a dollar a piece. I'm crying. I literally would have come to California. Oh. (laughs) Now, I bought a huge amount. Of course. (laughs) 
but I couldn't buy thousands of dollars worth and there were thousands of items. So that's the kind of thing that I come upon. Well, it's interesting. I have a friend actually that I've mentioned before on uh, my show. Her name is Allison and she owns House of Dow, which is a vintage store. But she also goes and buys retro toys and Barbie things. And one thing they do is they'll buy a big sack of Barbie clothes for like a dollar. And then they'll piece through and put all the outfits together with the right Barbie. You know, things like Mm -hmm. that. You know, so then on eBay, people who want a particular Barbie or particular outfit can find them. And I always thought that was interesting. You know what it is? And it's, you know, it's a lot of work. Like I yeah. said, we get up early. We get there. We watch the sunrise at the swap meet. We are there when they are unloading the cars. And we work really hard at it. We work. I mean, I know I stumble upon some good things, but it's because we're there. We're up. We're walking. We walk miles. <laughs> you know, we work really hard at finding tiny things. We go probably three mornings a week. We spend hours at it. We also go to thrift stores. We also go to garage sales. We, it's our hobby. I mean, that's what my husband, I loved it. Now he's looking for vintage fishing lures. I was going to ask. So that's great that he found something he can look for too. Yeah. So we go and we spend a lot of time doing it. And occasionally we find something wow. But the most of the time we find an old Barbie that needs to be cleaned up or we find an old miniature or it's not always successful. Of course not. Sometimes I leave with nothing, (laughs) but sometimes we stumble across somebody unloading a whole bunch of Barbie stuff. A few weeks ago, we went and some friends of ours went with us and my friend that walked by, he looked down and he goes, oh, is is that a uh, accordion? And I'm like, where? And it was a miniature accordion. Oh my gosh. I don't know if I would have spotted that. I, I would have never. So it's nice to have eyes, you know, more eyes. And so it's a Barbie size accordion. And I said to the guy, I said, oh, you know, how much is your little accordion? And I think, I don't know if it was a dollar or $2. And I said, do you have other instruments? He said, oh, I had a whole box of instruments, but all the rest sold but the accordion. So you always think I should have been here a little early, earlier. And then it's very hard to spot tiny stuff. So maybe I wouldn't have seen it anyway. But so now I've got this most amazing little accordion, but it's because we were out and we were looking. Of course. You're not going to find anything if you're not. (laughs) You enjoy the hunt. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Like I said, it's we're getting fresh air and sunshine. We're walking for miles and we spend a few dollars, probably less than going to the movie theater. Probably a lot less. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure you get asked this question, but do you have any idea how many Barbies you have? I think I probably have 300. They're not all out. I have some out that I've set out in my attic room just for different photos I've done and stuff. I've got a lot of dolls still in boxes. I don't leave them in boxes because I'm a collector. I open everything because I'm a photographer. So I have a lot of dolls, you know, and some of them are just $1 dolls that I have bins full of to cut their hair or to take photos of or do whatever. And then I've got some nicer ones, but no, I've got, I've got a lot of dolls. So where do you store it all? When we bought this house, the attic had been built out and made into a mother-in-law's quarters. So a big part of our attic was built out and carpeted and finished off and made into a room. That's where all my Barbies live, up in my attic room. You have a Barbie apartment. Barbie has her own mother-in-law quarters. (laughs) (laughs) As she should. And then I have a bedroom um, with shelves on it that have clear shoe boxes that have all my miniatures sorted by theme, like Disney, medical, food, you know, everything is sorted by theme. That's something I really need to work on. As I've started to get more accessories and more things, 
I find it harder and harder to keep it organized and to find it when I need it. That was my biggest challenge. I mean, I was looking for this little tiny container of Fruit Loops. Since I bought it, I put it somewhere safe. And I just found it the other day. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I have been looking for this forever. And so that's the hardest part is putting it where it should go. It's really hard. And the somewhere safe cracks me up because my husband and I have a whole joke about that. Because whenever we have lost something, it's usually because we put it somewhere safe. Exactly. And that's what I do, these little Fruit Loops. And so I have tried to, doing it by theme helps me. Camping is one box. Kitchen is one box. So doing it by theme seemed to be it for me. If it's a popsicle box, it should be in my box with all my ice cream and popsicles, all my freezer foods. So that does help me doing it by theme. See, I do pretty well with that. I think part of my problem is, you know, in the miniature house, I like to have it completely staged. So then you have, you know, some food in one house, some food in another, and then you start to kind of forget what you have. But some people said, well, don't have all that out. But then I like to have it there to look nice. And if I want to do a quick photo. So I think that's part of my problem is I can't commit to whether I'm keeping it all in the houses or all in boxes or what I'm doing. Right. And I do have dioramas set up that I do leave some stuff in. And I find that's easier if I have them set up. Then when I go to do a photo, I've already got set up and I don't have to set up something special for that. Yes, like the kitchen. If you don't have the kitchen set up with all those little plates and little ladles and everything, you take forever just to set it up. Right. And so that's what I found. And so anyway, I have found some strategies for making my days when I'm going to do photos a little easier. And are you one of these people who take a lot of photos, which I tend to do, or do you just set it up and then it's just, you just know how it's going to look and it's ready to go? Oh no, I take it from every different, different angle, every different side, up, down, far away, close up, portrait, photo. I take 400. You know, when I used to model, they would say you need to take 400 shots to get one good one. That's what I do. I think when people say, oh, I only do two or three shots. Okay, so you're really good and that's great. You know it, you got it. And sometimes I go back and I look and the first one or two shots was the one I use. (laughs) I love to have tons to pick through. I do too, but I always try to look back at my first one before I I stop the session. And sometimes I'll find that I took a hundred pictures and something shows up in the picture strange. You don't notice until you take a picture. It looks like someone has horns over their head or, you know, I don't know. Like Grandma Barbie, usually her glasses will have gotten knocked and I have them wired on, but they'll just, and so they'll be crooked. And I'm like, oh no, that drives me nuts. Yes, yes. And then a hundred photos later, you're like, okay, well, (laughs) I'll just get rid of those and start over. I see stuff in the photos and the other day someone posted something, they had left a price tag on something. And I laughed because that's just so funny because you take something, you spend all this time and then don't have your lights up and everything out anymore. And then you look and you're like, man, I did that. You know, I have started leaving up the little scene I set until the next morning, until I actually post it or something, because so many times I break it down and then I'm like, oh my gosh, the Bailey's bottle was spilled over the entire time. (laughs) You post pretty much every day, don't you? I try to post every day. When I started doing that, I just made the commitment, I'm going to post something every day. And so that was kind of what I got into. Now, you know, I'm not sure how I feel. I've heard pros and cons of either way. I would like to, my goal would be to post one tiny thing and one Barbie thing every day. 
That way, the people that follow me for the miniatures, I would post something tiny and that the Barbie followers, I also could post some of my collection. So that's what I've been thinking about doing. It's just, it's a lot of work to create that much content. It really is. I also am sort of of the post every day school, but lately I've been rethinking it too, just because it's very time consuming and I'm doing this podcast and editing that. And sometimes I just don't have enough time. I have a TikTok account also, and I have a YouTube channel. And I find that I spend 80% of my time on Instagram and that I don't do on my other channels just because I'm spending time on Instagram. So I don't know. I'm thinking, I'm trying to figure out how do you have a balance in the social media world? Well, when you find out, call a news conference and let the rest of us know. Because I set my, you know, you can set a timer on Instagram. In the beginning, I said, tell me when I've spent an hour and a half on Instagram. Well, as you can imagine, that hour and a half goes off pretty early in the day. Oh, yeah. Very early in the day. And so that's kind of where I'm going is I want to do more than, you know, than I'm doing more opportunities. And how do I do that? I'm debating, do I want to post every other day? I don't know. Yeah, it's a good question. So one thing I really like about your Barbie philosophy is part of Grandma Gets Real is that Grandma Barbie gets real, right? She's not always on a cruise or in a penthouse. She's baking cookies and I do love the motorcycle riding, but (laughs) but she does unglamorous things or she just sometimes is sitting around. I especially love, of course, when Grandma Barbie takes pictures of other Barbies with Barbies. That's a fun one. A world within the world. So where did that idea come from? Just sort of that it would mirror your everyday life? Yeah, because in my everyday life, I pretty much do normal things. It's the exception that I do something, you know, glamorous or fancy. And so I just tried to have Barbie do more of the stuff that an ordinary person would do, not so much a a superstar I think that's part of what makes your account compelling is you have all these everyday stories. You know, I'm embarrassed to admit when I first started miniatures, to me, it was really just about the interior design. And I went to the Denver Museum of Toys and Miniatures, and we were looking at all these fabulous houses. And the woman said to me, this particular miniature is really good at telling a story. And then it kind of clicked with me that that's what you could do. I don't think it would still be interesting to me if it hadn't developed into that. I do these silly scenes with my pets, or I set up birthdays, or I reflect things that are going on in my life. And I think that's what makes it interesting for me and and hopefully interesting for other people. So I think you kind of captured that like immediately. Well, it's just that because that's what with the granddaughters, we we were recreating our life in mini. So it was the washing the dishes and the doing regular stuff. My Barbies have been to Hollywood. <laughs> they've been to Rodeo Drive. They've they've been to the beach and done some exciting things. But mostly, they're home doing the same thing I am. Home is where the heart is, you know, for me. And so that's what I know about. You know, they say, write what you know. Well, I'm photograph what you know. This is what I know. And sometimes it's just the making the cookies or going to the park or, you know, finding caterpillars or collecting rocks. I mean, those are... Those are the, what do they say, the ordinary moments that become extraordinary. Now, one thing I noticed, you go hunting for a Barbie outfit and then you go hunting for its twin. Is that what you do? You know, it's gone both ways. I have been looking online at, you know, Barbie clothes and I go, oh my gosh, I've got a shirt almost just like that. And so I'll get it. 
And other times I've had been out shopping and walk by and I go, oh my gosh, I've got a Barbie. (laughs) I've got a Barbie outfit like that. So it goes both ways. And I don't have a whole huge wardrobe of matching things, but I I have a few things. And it it is because I'm not trying to match Barbie's really fashionable evening wear. I'm trying to match her simple t-shirt or it's simpler clothes, which are easier to match. One of the frustrations I had with Barbie growing up is I really didn't like her clothes. I didn't like that they were all dresses. I wanted separate so I could mix and match and make my own outfit. And they have that now, but they didn't have that when I was growing up. They have a lot of options now for dressing Barbie. So your granddaughters that you started this with, have they moved on? Are they still interested in the Barbies? No, they they way moved on. They're... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the the girls are bigger and they've moved on to different things. So, but you know, I haven't moved on. And that's okay. Yeah, I don't intend to. (laughs) Do they have Barbie meetups? They have doll shows a few times a year at a hotel near me. Um, Last week I went to a doll show that wasn't Barbies, it was every different kind of dolls. There's one coming up this week that's mostly Barbies. So I run into a lot of people at events like that. Is that fun? Do you like doing that? Oh, yeah, gosh, because when you're on Instagram, there's no face to face, although you can message and chat and all that. But it's really fun going to an event and meeting up with other people. I think it was C.S. Lewis. The quote from C.S. Lewis is where he says, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. (laughs) You want to be around other people that you have this in common with. And I think that's a big part of our Instagram community and with meeting up with people is you want to be around people that you have a similar interest with. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Everybody has their people. The trick is just to find them. Yeah. And I think I have found my people. I think you have. I think you have found your people. And will you stay with Barbie? I mean, you have no plans of quitting Barbie, right? You and Barbie are back and and in a forever relationship. No, I don't plan on quitting Barbie. You know, it was interesting because I was having a lot of companies send me toys and small things. And I was thinking, well, maybe everybody's not as interested in Barbie. Maybe they're just more interested in the tiny things. And so I started an account that was just tiny things. And I was just posting tiny things and it grew real quickly. But I noticed that every time anybody would ask me my story or I would get interviewed about something, Barbie was always what they asked about. And so I'm like, okay, I was really torn between miniatures and dolls because it's a different group. There are people that like tiny things that aren't into Barbies. And so I really was trying to please everybody. And finally, I just decided (laughs) what I have to do is do what I want to be creative with and what I want to do. And that is using miniatures to create a Barbie size world. My dad used to say, if you're pleasing everyone, you're doing something wrong. I was torn because I'm like, all these people that are following me because they're into miniatures aren't going to like me if I'm posting dolls too much. And all the people that are following me because they like dolls won't follow me if I only post miniatures. And I finally just said, you know, I am who I am. I'm doing what I'm doing. This is how I want to be creative. And I hope you'll join me on the journey, but I'm not everybody's cup of tea. And that's okay. Well, you know, that brings up a really interesting point. The real controversial question is really... Dolls. Some people have really strong feelings that dolls shouldn't be in dollhouses or that dolls should. My strong feeling is always, it's your dollhouse, you know, your rules. There are the purest miniaturists that are amazing 
artisans and they create amazing miniatures. And I've been to the miniature shows and I've seen their craft and it is fabulous. I am in awe of the people that do that and, and the dollhouses they build. I think it's amazing. So there are those people that think, you know, they they don't think um, somebody that collects and makes a diorama out of things they haven't made themselves that I'm not really an artist. And that's okay. I'm, you know, everybody's got their thing. There's a lot of people that really think that Barbies are a toy or cheapening the miniatures. I've heard so many different schools on this, but what is wrong with everybody being able to have their own space to create what they love? And then if you want to follow them, follow them. And if you don't, don't. See, that's where I come down. It doesn't matter if your you know, miniatures are, are handcrafted or if you collect them. Does it matter if they're one six or one twelfth? Does it matter if you use special wood glue or if you used a glue gun? I mean, these are things I hear that are a problem. And I like, you know, in the space I'm in, this is my happy little corner of the world. And I don't have time for controversy. My stuff is to make me happy and to make other people smile. What I have found with the doll community, I haven't so much gotten into the miniature community other than admiring the work. I follow a lot of miniaturists. I go to the miniature shows. In the doll community that we have on Instagram, I have never met a warmer, more uh, inclusive, more less judgmental, welcoming group. They are wonderful. They encourage each other. And everybody doesn't have the same taste or dolls or style, but yet they're all a great support. Oh, and I have to say the same about the miniature community. When I started my Instagram account, really, I didn't know that anybody more than a few of my friends would follow. And I certainly didn't think I'd become friends with them or talk to some of them every day. So yes, I would agree. These are warm and wonderful people in the miniature community. It's great to have a community. It is. It is. And one of my big things, I usually sign off the podcast saying, you know, it's your dollhouse, you know, your rules. It's your dollhouse. And the word dollhouse would uh, make you think there might be a doll in it. (laughs) Oh, no, maybe I should call mine a doghouse because I mostly have dogs. But yes, well, you know, Tanya, it has been such a delight talking to you. I, I just love your account. It has so much personality and you are just as warm and funny in person as you are on Instagram. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, Thanks for having me on and I will see you on Instagram. I will see you on Instagram. Thank you. Thank you. Isn't Tanya fantastic? Check her out, if you haven't already, on Instagram at Grandma Gets Real. Back by popular demand, it's Light Up Mini World. Last year, I organized an Instagram event called hashtag Light Up Mini World, where miniaturists and doll lovers from over 30 countries shared scenes with holiday lights. This year, Light Up Mini World will be on December 9th to December 11th, so you'll have plenty of time to share your fabulous scenes. Fireplace, candles, tree lights, menorahs, moonlight. Be creative. Let's spread love and light and minis all over Instagram. Just use hashtag LightUpMiniWorld and tag me at dollhouse underscore flare so I can see and share your fantastic photos. Hope you'll join in. My next episode comes out Tuesday, November 30th. Until then, remember... There are no rules in your dollhouse except the ones you create for yourself. Goodbye.